You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. To those that are watching in online, we just want to say good morning to you. Come on, High Ridge family. Tell everybody that's watching at home good morning from my friends all around the world. We're so glad that you could tune in and watch this. If you like what you're, what you're seeing, if you like what you're hearing, do us a favor, click the share button, especially if you're watching on Facebook. That'd mean a lot to us as you use your social media influence to uh, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. Grab your Bibles, if you would. Hebrews chapter six is where the Lord is leading us today. I think it's gonna be a powerful time as we dig into God's word and just allow God's word the freedom to dig into us, amen? Hebrews chapter six, we're bringing a message as we finish out this anchored series called An Anchored Life. Somebody say an anchored life. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's, that's what we want today. We want a life that can withstand the storms that the world's going to bring us. And if you don't have enough storms, if you don't have enough anxieties, if you don't have enough worries, if there's not a bunch of things that are, that are clouding your mind and, and freaking you out a little bit in the world, you can have some of mine. Life has got plenty of storms to worry about. Some of us like, are you going to be drafted? Hey, dude, you're 54 and 750 pounds. You're in no danger. You're going to be fine. We, we don't need you. You sit this one out. Okay, champ? For the, for the rest of us, there's plenty of stuff to worry about. So as we're digging into God's word today, this is important that we get into the place where we can say, Lord, I know that my life is anchored and I trust that what your word says, I can still do. What your word calls me, I still am. As we're getting into this, I want you to know that this is, uh, it's, it's just something that we can hang on to in the midst of some turbulent times. And uh, we can't go any farther without acknowledging that there's a, there's a lot to worry about. There's plenty of things that you can get, uh, you can get worried, you can worry yourself sick over it. So what happens when life makes you sick? What happens when you're losing it's easy for us to come into God's house and then project this perfect image. You got up, you got a shower, your family's here. Everybody's great. And when somebody shakes your hand, how are you doing? We're fine, we're good, we're blessed and highly favored. Like, you don't talk like that in real life. If we, if we really knew the truth, if we're gonna be honest today, sometimes we lose. Sometimes we're losing. Sometimes life's not great. Sometimes the storms have, have brought a lot of water into the boat of our life. Come on, somebody. What do we do when we're losing, what do we hang on to when life throws us those storms? And maybe the better question is, is it working? Is it working? Because we hang on to a lot of things that just don't work. They're not worth hanging on to. I remember uh, several years ago, I got involved in this, this massive church that had a huge men's ministry. And one of the things that we thought we would do is we would start a men's softball team. We had a ton of guys that were athletes and, and former professional athletes, several guys that were D1 baseball. And so we started this men's softball team that was absolutely dominant with a capital D. And let me just tell you, when you're playing a bunch of other churches that just have you know 12 guys on their men's team that that are all in their 70s, it's easy to just dominate them when you've got a younger bunch of athletes. And I'm, it happened, I'm sorry, that's what happened. And so we played several seasons. We did not even get close to losing. It was just domination station. It was awesome. And I got to be the guy riding the bench on the very end watching these guys just pop home runs all day long. It was amazing. <laughs> the most winning team I've ever been on, and it was church men's league, but when I tell the story, it was professional. No. <laughs> 
And we just dominated for years and years and years. I mean, we, we just dominated. So they kept moving us up in class and moving us up in class, trying to find tougher competition. There was no competition. We was bad. And I mean that in a good way. You're, if you're under 30, you don't, bad means good. Somebody over 30 say, yeah, okay. Yes, bad means good. And so uh, they finally got us to a place where we started playing tournaments and we would just dominate. We had so many trophies. We're just, you know, packing them in the man cave. Look at all these trophies. from This is awesome. Until we got to the place where there was a tournament that came to the Metroplex that we thought was a men's church tournament ended up being a world-class tournament. And let me just tell you, you may be good in men's softball league in your church league, but in the real world, in the world-class stage, you about to get embarrassed. And we took our dominating, unbelievable softball team to a world-class team. They entered us into the wrong bracket. We were against the top players in the world. We didn't know it. We thought it was another church team. Like, oh, I wonder what church these guys are from. They're really drunk. (laughs) And they're really big. And they're really good. Let me just tell you what happened. uh, uh, We got no hit in men's slow pitch softball did you even know that that was a thing no hits like nothing and I'm like this how is this what in the world I'm looking at my guy and I'm like are we gonna is anybody gonna get angry or he said something about your mom or or some somebody do something for the love of God like can we get a hit Anybody, we got run rolled. I mean, it was embarrassing. We got knocked out of that tournament so fast. It was, it was quick. We thought we were gonna be there all weekend. Like, no, you were there for about an hour and then see you later, go home. And I remember as we were walking across the field to, to shake the other team's hand and that humiliating walk of defeat. And uh, I, I get up to their, to their coach. I was like, hey, you guys have a really good team. He's like, where are you guys from? I'm like, we're from the church across the street. He's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like, what, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, um, it just makes sense to me. I was like, well, where are you guys from? He goes, we're the number two team in the world from Kentucky. It's okay. <laughs> like, you're out of your class. And like, we didn't realize it. We got smoked. But I mean, I remember on, on the way back, we're looking at each other. I'm like, well, at least we look good. <laughs> That's all I've got to hang on to in the midst of this losing streak. Our, we were sharp. I mean, not a, one of us got a single grass stain on our pants. <laughs> we're not even sore. What do you hang on to when you're losing? Because this is what we find setting the stage for Hebrews chapter six. We find a group of believers that have been separated and isolated from the rest of Christianity and they've been grinding it out for a long time and they just feel like they're alone. They feel like the things that God has promised them are kind of just that walk has become a crawl and life's gotten tough. There's a lot of storms that are happening. They're clouded with anxiety, very much like we find ourselves today. And like a good coach, the writer of Hebrews begins to do two things that every good coach should do, especially at halftime. He's going to break you down and then build you up. And that part about breaking down, we don't like it, but sometimes you need to hear it. Sometimes it's like, who do you think you are? We need to hear it. Sometimes it's like, you're out there quitting. You're playing like a bunch of babies out there. Come on, what's wrong with you? And he breaks them down. At the beginning of Hebrews chapter six, he starts talking about their immature so come on, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to look like Jesus. You're immature. I should be feeding you, you meat and I'm, look, I'm giving you milk, you bunch of babies. 
And he breaks them down. He says, you're better than this. You're not a quitter. You're not a baby. Come on, you can rally. This is just halftime. We got another part to go. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then he gives them in Hebrews chapter six, starting in verse 13, he gives them the build you up part. And it's perhaps the most encouraging things that you can ever find. I mean, argumentatively, we could just say that this is some of the most encouraging things that you're ever gonna see in God's word. And it's meant to be spoken to a group of people that are tired, that are worn out, that he's asking, like, come on, let's, let's push one more time. You can do this. And he talks to them about the promises of God. He talks to them about what happens when you don't give up. He talks to them about what happens when you anchor yourself into the power of Christ's word. And he tells them this starting in verse 13. Read along with me if you would. He says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I'll give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone that's greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and it puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with his oath. And God did this so by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. And we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. He said, God will not lie to you. He's given you an amazing thing. And as a matter of fact, he's given you two amazing things. He's given you hope and he's given you great encouragement. The question is, do you trust him? Do you trust him? And I want you to hear this in the tone of a coach that has broken you down and is now building you back up so that you can withstand the storms of life and be anchored to the truth of God's word. I wanna give you three things that we can anchor to in the midst of the discouraging parts of life, the times when you're losing, the times where you feel like you can't go on, the times where you feel like you've done enough, let somebody else handle it for a while. I've done enough. And he gives them three things to think about. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down. This is gonna help you. I know this to be true. Either you're about to walk into a storm or you just come out of one. If you don't know about your storms, just ask the person sitting next to you. You've got them. You're just clueless. We got enough. He gives us three things to anchor to when we're discouraged. Three things to put our trust in. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I trust his timing. His timing. Timing means everything when you're in the middle of a storm. I trust that it's going to end the moment that God says this is going to be over and not a second longer. I trust that the same God that brought me into this can bring me through it. And I trust that he has the perfect plan, the perfect time. It has an intended end. Some of the greatest words that the Bible ever speaks was, it came to pass and it will pass. The good news is I don't get to control the timing. And also the bad news is I don't get to control the timing because those storms would be like, hey, look, there's a cloud there. Where'd it go? That's my kind of storm. I trust his timing. His timing, his timing. This is important for us to remember. And so we get this from verse 12. It says this, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what was promised. And so most of us will, if we're gonna be honest today, we'll say this. When I say stuff like, I'm just waiting on the Lord, what that really means is I'm doing nothing. I'm gonna lay it all at Jesus' feet. Hey, Jesus, you better do something. I'm just gonna sit over here. I'm just gonna wait on the Lord. 
He's like, no, no, no. That's not waiting on the Lord. That's called laziness. Ouch. Remember, he's breaking you down before he builds you up. He calls them lazy. He calls them immature. He says, you're not here to become lazy. And he gives them two keys that are gonna combat that laziness. He says, faith and patience. Great, faith and patience. Woo! <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna stick on that word lazy for a moment. I don't want you to become lazy. That's a powerful word in the original language. The Greek language there is the word called, the word is northros, which means to become dull or sluggish. It's the word that you would use when you say someone is, is hard of hearing or they're losing their hearing as they get older in life. Their ears aren't functioning like they're supposed to function. They're not serving their intended purpose. They've become dull. This is what he's saying. Like That's not you. You've got a purpose, but you're getting into this laziness how do I combat that? He says, two things, faith and patience. Faith and patience keep me from becoming dull, hard of hearing, stepping away from my purpose, not living up to what God has called me to live up to. Faith and patience. It's interesting how he links those two things together because uh, let, me, let me put it on the screen. We have faith and we have patience. Rarely do we have them both at the same time. Because when you're walking in faith, it's really hard to be patient. And when you're being patient, it's really hard to take a step of faith. How in the world does this great paradox work itself out? And that's the thing about Jesus' ministry. He always does things that don't seem to make sense. He puts things together that aren't quite in the same realm of thinking that we would think of them as. He says, if you want to go left, you got to go right. You want to go up, you got to get down. If you want to find your life, you got to lose it. The way to be promoted is to serve. He says, faith and patience keep you from becoming lazy, keep you from throwing away your purpose. We have high faith, but not for long. Or we're patient, but our faith gets weak. Remember this, Abraham didn't see God's word fulfilled for many years because this is the example that the writer of Hebrews uses when he says, I want you to imitate somebody who had faith and patience. That means that he waited for years for God to fulfill his promise, but he kept his faith in the process. James 2 says this about Abraham, how we're supposed to model our life after him. He says this, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. God says, that's my friend because he believed me. He believed me. Now, when we look at the writer of Hebrews, when he says, I want you to imitate somebody like Abraham and we look at Abraham's life, that's difficult. Well, he had faith. And he had patience. But as you look at the story of his life, as you read about Abraham through the book of Genesis, you notice a couple things about Abraham. Did Abraham always believe? The answer is, because God gave him a promise. But Abraham decided to work around that promise by doing things his own way. Well, maybe God meant this because, you know, hey, if I'm supposed to have kids, but he didn't say it had to be with my wife, so. Some of you are like, that's the word I needed for the Lord for today. Like, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. When God gave Abraham a promise, like this land is gonna be yours, this land of Canaan. Instead of trusting that God was gonna bring that and bring them into it, Abraham started introducing people along the way. He started introducing them to his wife and said, no, no, that's not my wife, that's my sister. So when the writer of Hebrews says, I want you to imitate Abraham because he believed and he kept moving forward by faith, 
I see something that's powerful, that helps me. I see that Abraham believed and kept going, but made some mistakes along the way. That helps me when I look back at yesterday and last week and three weeks ago when I'm like, man, God, I believe you, but it's hard. Wasn't very good. I messed up. I had a bad attitude or, you know, I, I tried to do it my own way. I tried to fix that. And it, that's not what you told me to do. And I get back on track. It shows me that no matter what happened yesterday, the Bible tells us his mercies are new every morning. I can get back up and believe God today. I don't have to stay in a place of doubt. I don't have to stay in the place of mistakes. I can get up and take today on for itself. Abraham believed and God gave him that title of a friend. And the writer says, I want you to imitate Abraham. He, did he always get it right? No, but he got there. He got up and tried again. It helps me to, to, to think of, uh, of myself as not a, not a failure and a mistake. And it shows me this, that just because I doubted God yesterday doesn't mean I have to start today the same way. I can trust in his timing. Man, we are microwave people, aren't we? We wanna press that button. Okay, God, you got three minutes and go, abracadabra. Trusting in his timing is difficult. But he says, faith and patience keep you from just becoming lazy, walking away from your purpose. That's the first anchor that we can throw down when life gets tough, trusting in his timing. It has an end. Here's the second anchor that we can throw out according to the writer of Hebrews. Not only do I trust his timing, but number two, I have to trust that he hasn't forgotten me. Man, that's important in the middle of the storm. Storms have a way of just beating against your life and make you feel like because there's so much noise and so much anxiety and so much pressure, so many things that are going on, that you're alone, that no one else understands, that God has abandoned you, that he's forgotten you. You ever been in a place where you can honestly say, I know that I'm, I'm saying, I know that God is with me, that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, but if I'm gonna be honest... I feel really alone. I feel like that, that, that scripture is, is true for everybody else. It's not true for me. I think all of us walk through times where we feel alone. And that's not in the good times. That's in the bad times when you're losing. When things aren't going the way that you thought that they should go. I feel like God's forgotten me. God, where are you? Can we be honest today in God's house? Come on, come on. You've been in those places like, God, where are you? I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I feel like you're not answering me. I feel like you're not moving. I'm here by myself. I know that I'm supposed to trust your timing. I know that you haven't forgotten me, but man, it sure feels like you have. Learning to trust that God won't forget me is an important part of staying stable in the middle of a storm. Look at verse 10 in Hebrews 6. It says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Wow, he's saying God won't forget you and what you've done and you've proven that you haven't forgotten God. You've proven that you love God by continuing to help people even when you're tired, when you're grinding it out. You're moving forward in your purpose when you feel like you're all alone. He said God won't forget that. He can't forget that. He's not unjust what you've done for people when you didn't feel like doing it. God says, I see that. I'm not gonna forget it. That meant something to me. That proves that you still love me. 
I'm gonna put this on the screen so that you can see it. We prove our love for God by continually serving his people when honestly, we'd rather be served. I'm walking through a storm right now. I need somebody to help me. God says, why don't you help somebody else? Like, I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I need to worry about me right now. It's pity party, party of one. God says, I'm not gonna forget you. And I don't want you, well, don't want you to forget who you are. I don't want you to forget my people. God is not unjust. He will not forget you and what you're doing. That helps me in times of my life where I feel like I've done all these things and nobody said thank you. Nobody appreciated me. Nobody gave me any award. Nobody recognized me. <laughs> I feel alone. God's like, I, I'm not unjust. No one else may say it, but I see it. And it means something to me when you take care of my people. Look at this in Isaiah 49. God echoes it, not just in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Is that even possible? God says, even if that was possible, I will not forget you. I can't. You're mine. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You know, knowing God is an important part of our life and knowing that he hasn't forgotten us, he knows who we are, that matters when life throws you some incredible storms. I trust that he hasn't forgotten me. So I want you to notice this, that helping people see that God hasn't forgotten them reminds me of the same thing. Here's the third anchor. Number one, I trust his timing. Number two, I trust that he hasn't forgotten me. And number three, this one could perhaps be the most important. Uh, this is a big deal. I trust his word over my thoughts. This is something that's important for you to hear because one thing I know about storms, there's a lot, there's a lot to worry about out there, but inside of my own mind, man, that's a major battle. That's a big thing I have to fight. I have to argue with myself inside of my own mind to believe what God says over what I think. If we're gonna be honest today, most of us will lose that battle nine times out of 10 because what we feel and what we think takes a backseat to what God says. But there's a reason why in his word, it tells us in Hebrews 6 that God made an oath to you. He made a promise to you and that oath puts an end to all arguments. He's not talking about arguments from other people with you. He's talking about arguments in your own mind. You ever lied to yourself? Ever argued with yourself? Ever worked yourself into a frenzy where you're like, you know, this it makes sense with that and this makes sense with that and that produces this. So this must be the truth. I talked myself into it. And God reminds people that are struggling, that are walking through this place where their mind is going crazy. They're grinding it out and they feel like they're alone. They feel like they're forgotten. He reminds them, I'm not gonna forget you and I've given you a promise. And my promise is guaranteed. It's backed up by my goodness. And there's nothing gooder than me. There's nothing else that you can put your trust and your hope in other than my promise to you. I've got you. Hang on to that. It's supposed to bring you great encouragement. It's supposed to give you hope when you're walking through a storm. So when I'm discouraged, I need his word to counter all the thoughts that keep me bound because sometimes the greatest enemy isn't out there. 
but inside my own mind. Somebody say amen. amen. It's in here. It's in my head. It's killing me. And I'm losing to me. I'm a great arguer in my own mind. I defeat myself. God has given his word to put an end to all arguments. And I love that it says, and it's impossible for God to lie. Sometimes we need to make ourselves hear that. God cannot lie to me. And he's given me a promise. And I'm not going to allow my mind to dethrone the promises of God. Either his word is true or I'm going to listen to this. We have a statement around here, something that we say to each other is the worst person to take advice from when you're walking through a storm is you. This is why it's important that we connect you with other believers because this is the good news. Uh, We don't have to all walk through the same thing at the same time. Somebody's doing good and they're on a mountain while the rest of us are in a valley like, hey, we need to hear from you right now. Talk to me. Talk to me because right now I'm, I'm fighting a battle within my own mind. I need to hear somebody speak something that's sane from God's word. Bring me some clarity here. So I'm fighting this great enemy inside of my own mind. Here's another statement that we have around here that reminds us to trust in the promises of God over the storms that are screaming at us, that are making us argue with ourselves. Here's the statement. Wisdom is low when my emotions are high. Come on, somebody needs to screenshot that right now because this is something that you're gonna have to hang on to when life throws you the next storm and it's coming. Wisdom is low when my emotions are high. So is this the time for me to make huge life decisions when my emotions are going nuts and when I'm arguing with myself? No, 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 no. Let me get some wisdom here. Let me find what God's word says. This is why it's so important for us to not just hear his word on a Sunday morning but to, get, to begin to apply this to our life every single day, you need this. This brings wisdom. It helps you know what to do when life gets nuts. And it will. We have to be able to use God's word and its authority to overpower our mind and our thoughts and our emotions that go nuts when life gets crazy. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, we demolish arguments. Where are those arguments at? In your own mind. And everything, he calls this next word, I love this next word, pretension. Everything that pretends to be the truth. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, who I know God to be, who he's promised that he is, who he guarantees that he is. I demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against who I know God to be. And he says, and I'm gonna have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Well, that's the struggle right there. That's the battle that you wanna win. I'm gonna take these thoughts and make them obey what his word says. We take captive those thoughts. We make them obedient to Christ. I wanna leave you with this thought as we finish up today. This is important, please hear this. When I anchor myself in his truth, the constant waves of discouragement, they lose their power over me. You need to hear that. This is important. Over the past two years, we've watched believer after believer after believer walk away from church. Why? Because life got tough. It got hard. 
Anxiety went nuts and there's so many things to worry about, to be concerned about. There's too many variables, too many things to try to figure out. And you can pretend like you've got it all together and you figured out you're the only one that knows the truth, but we all know you're a liar. <laughs> no, you know, you're just as scared as everybody else. And Christians said, oh, faith over fear. And then we're not going to church. <laughs> Let's be honest. Come on. Faith over fear, but we're scared to death. Faith over fear just became a hope, <laughs> a wish. Something that we put out there telling people that we're, we're not really afraid. Yes, you are. We all are. In those moments, you can't just say you're not afraid. You have to say, I've got something that I can hang on to when I am afraid. And it doesn't make me become lazy. I know who God's called me to be. And I'm going to have faith to keep moving and patience to wait on the timing of God, trusting that he hasn't forgotten about me and what his word says is true in spite of what I think or what I feel. I have to be able to trust in God's word. We've seen people walk away from Christianity because they were not anchored in the truth of God's word. We've been fed things that didn't pan out when life got tough. You have to know this word for yourself. Please hear me. You've got to actually read this if you call yourself a believer at some point. This crazy thought. You've got to actually read this. You need this. What I know about God's word is not going to be enough for you. You have to read it for yourself. Read it for yourself. Because when you get the truth of God's word in here, your life becomes anchored. It becomes solid. Where no matter what begins to happen around you, you're still anchored to what God has called you to do and you're able to do exactly that in his timing, in faith, in spite of what life does. We've seen people walk away from Christ, walk away from church. We've got a deconstruction movement of people walking away from church because they've never been anchored in the truth of God's word. We found foolish churches telling people what they want to hear instead of things that will help them when life gets tough. Guess what? Life has gotten tough. We're there. What do you do? I anchor myself to the truth of God's word. And I believe what it says over what I see, what I think, or what I feel. His word knows the end from the beginning. And his word, the Bible says, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path so that we can keep walking in spite of the darkness that is happening. There's plenty of stuff to worry about. There's plenty of enemies to fight out there and in here. But let me just tell you, the Christian's greatest battle is not on some foreign piece of land in Ukraine. It's right here. And it's one right here. And let me just make sure that you hear me. This is not a sword meant to destroy somebody else's life. It's meant to divide between spirit and soul, the bone and the marrow. It's meant for this. It's here to help me become what God has called me to be. This Bible doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. It makes me better than me. You've got to know his word. You've got to fall in love with Jesus again. Please hear me. Anchor yourself into the truth of God's word. Hang on to things that are sure. The Bible tells us that he's given us this hope. It's to encourage us in the middle of dark times. And yeah, it breaks us down and then it builds us up. And it gives us something that our soul can anchor to. It says that anchor is firm and it's strong and it's secure and it's for your soul. You need this. You need this. Our world needs this. Your family needs this. Now, I want to remind you, you, you can't force your family to read God's word. You can try, but that doesn't work. Let me just tell you, I, I've had it done to me, force me, no, no, no. Show me the evidence, show me the fruit of what it's doing in your life. Because that's something that the news doesn't put on display. That's something that's nowhere else in our world. Show me what, what happens when a mother and a father start reading his word together and praying for each other, not forcing it on me as a child. Show me the fruit. 
Create an environment where we see that there's something special about that. When you start applying God's word to your family, it works. It works. It's God's greatest hope for you that you would know him. You'd fall deeply and madly in love with him. I love the old hymn that says, and the things of this world grow strangely dim. Strangely dim. I don't fall for the same lies because it doesn't matter. I know where my hope is. I know that this life, this is not the end for me. And I'm praying that you'll know that this is not the end for you either. That what's coming is better than anything else on this side of heaven. Anything better is a dream. It's a wish. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So we can rise above elections and wars and rumors of wars and protests and opinions and facts and feelings. Rise above the noise. Christian, rise above the noise. Fall in love with Jesus and show the world something better. They need it. Our world is in desperate need of an anchor and you can't elect anchors. You can't pass laws to guarantee morality. It doesn't work. This, this works. It's time tested and it will help you. It will help you. I want to encourage you this week. Get in love with God's word. Read it for yourself and let it do its work in you. As we finish up today, I want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes as as we give ourselves an invitation to go into a deeper place of just hearing this word, go into a place of doing it. We do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, by simply praying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I wanna invite you, whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in person at this room, to ask yourself, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Have I gotten to a place where my love with God has gone cold? My love for his word has gotten cold where I've lost the battle in my mind? I've forgotten that God's timing and his ways are perfect. I've forgotten that he can't forget me. And that ultimately his word has authority over what I think. My opinions have to bow to the authority of God's word. God forgive us for ever believing that we know more than you. God, we pray for faith and patience. We pray for a deeper love for you than we've ever experienced before. We need your help. Our world needs your help. Forgive us, oh God, for not being salt and light. Forgive us, Lord, for not falling so radically in love with you that our world could see hope through us. We need you, Lord. So even though we may have doubted you yesterday, we choose to start today in a place of faith. Today's a new day. I choose to believe you. I want to be your friend, Lord. I want you to be able to trust me as I trust you. Father, I pray that you bless every single person walking through a storm right now. I pray that you would comfort them and strengthen them, that you would heal and restore, that you would encourage them and give them great hope to hang on to. Father, I pray that every person that opens up your word this week would immediately encounter the presence of the Lord where your words would begin to jump off the page with Rhema and speak right into their life, giving them exactly what they need to accomplish what you've called them to accomplish in this time. Father, I pray that your word would come alive, come alive and speak to them as they step out in faith and begin to read it for themselves. 
Bless and help them, Lord. Nurture that relationship with you. Draw them closer to you than they've ever been. In Jesus' name. As we're finishing up today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to make an appeal for any person in this place that would say this, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I may have have gone to church a long time ago, but I've, I've gotten away from God. I need to come home. My friend, you're in the right place. I'm going to help you just like somebody helped me one time. Or maybe you're saying, I've, I've, never, I've never had a relationship with Jesus. I don't know what that's like, but I, but I want to. My friend, you're in the right place too. If you're watching this, I want to help you just like somebody helped me one time by taking a step of faith and praying a prayer. I want to invite you to pray that prayer with me. Out loud or in your heart, it doesn't matter. Let me help you. I'll tell you what to say, and I want to invite you to pray with me. The prayer goes like this. Just say, Jesus, I believe You are the son of God. I believe that you came, you died. I believe that you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you into my life to be my boss, my savior. I give my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Thank you what you did for me. In his name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that was you and you say, Pastor, I am not afraid or ashamed to tell you, I prayed that prayer with you. Let me just see your hand all over this place. Lift it up nice and high and proud. That was me. I see you. Good. Good. I see you, brother. I see you, sister. Good for you. If you're watching at home, would you just, would you text that in the chat? Just say, I I prayed. And I want to invite you to take the next step. You've come this far. Will you keep going? The next step is to text us. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll text the words, I pray, that we're going to send you some stuff that will help you to understand what just happened inside of your heart and what to do next. It would be our great honor to help you take this next step in Christ. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives down front to remain here when the service is over to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer for. If you're watching at home and you need prayer for anything, would you click that chat and just tell them, I'd like some prayer. Also, if you liked what you heard today, if you're willing to share this message, that would certainly mean a lot to us. Click the share button. Thank you in advance for that. And I also just wanna say from the, from the bottom of my heart, on behalf of all those that are on the, on the staff at this amazing church, we wanna say thank you. Thank you. Your generosity, because you're willing to stand behind us financially and with your prayers, it means the world to a lot of people. There are many, many people who will, you'll, you'll never meet this side of heaven that would wanna just say thank you for being a church that's still here, that's still coming when lots of people have deconstructed and moved on, when lots of people have abandoned their faith, you're still here and you're standing with us in prayer, with your finances, I want to say thank you. It means the world to me to be able to encourage other churches and other pastors that are walking through a difficult season. I've never seen more people leave the ministry than the past two years, and it's still happening. And to be a, be a church that's still strong and offering hope to those that are, that are losing hope, that, that means a lot when you're reading stuff like Hebrews chapter 6. You want to bring help and hope to other people. Let me just say on behalf of all of us, thank you. Thank you. On behalf of a bunch of little girls that got to dance with their daddies last night, hey, thank you for that. 
Your generosity made that possible as well. We had, gosh, there's like 200 dads and daughters that gathered together. And we are sore and smelling like Ben Gay today because us daddies, we didn't know that we could limbo and we still can't. But I just want to say thanks for making that possible. You guys, you've, it's the greatest honor of my life to lead this church and thank you for that. Let me pray for you and bless you as we go. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray that they would have an incredible week following after you all week long, hearing your voice, falling deeper in love with you as they go. God bless them in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.